Well, good morning. And uh, welcome to our Sunday service here. Um, for those of you who are visiting or new, my name is Pastor David, and we have our Pastor Ed, who is back from vacation. Welcome back, Pastor Ed, and also for Denny, uh, his wife. We um, just uh, look forward to the beginning of Sunday school today and uh, the beginning of, uh, in a sense, the fall uh, season, which our programming starts here at, uh, at Grace. Um, just want to note that the uh, flowers on the altar today are uh, placed by Vivian Georgensen in the loving memory of her husband, Dan. Uh, prayer is available today after the service. Uh, you're most welcome to talk to, to Linda or Janice, and they can lead you in prayer. We also have uh, Sunday School Resumes today. Um, after our children's message, uh, um, we will then be directing them to the Sunday School downstairs. Men's Breakfast held this Saturday at the church at 8.30 a.m., uh, we're going to do a, um, a devotion. Uh, we're going to talk about man stuff, and we're going to eat like men. So uh, uh, you're most welcome to join us. Ladies' Bible study resumes this Wednesday. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, next Wednesday. And it will be... I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. Okay. And uh, so, um, yeah, so in two weeks, uh, Pastor Ed's going to have his Hebrew Bible study that is going to be um, this week, correct? Or Yeah, this week, Thursday. So the book of Hebrews, and uh, we look uh, forward to that indeed. And um, we have our fall discussion group that will be starting next Sunday, um, and that will be after the first service. Stewardship committee uh, this Tuesday at uh, 2 p.m., and um, if you have any questions, you can talk to me or to John Schubert or to Nora Steffenhagen. Any other uh, announcements that we may have? No? A warm welcome to our guests here today. Good to have you. And this time, I ask you to rise for the invocation. We begin our service in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we continue with our opening hymn.
<laughs> Thank <Okay>. you. <laughs> Let us continue with our dialogue. Holy is the Lord Almighty. Worthy is the glory and honor and power. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain. By his blood he purchased for God the race and tongue of every folk and nation. Christ made of them a kingdom, and they shall reign on earth forever. Let us continue um, with uh, what we believe by together praying the Apostles' Creed. Let us begin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He is seated near the moon. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray together the prayer of the day. Let us begin. For a little bit. Okay, I'll just pray it then. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right, together. Almighty, eternal God, you know our problems and our weaknesses better than we ourselves. In your love and in your power, help us in your confusion and distress our weaknesses. Make us firm in faith through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. This time you may be seated and we ask the children to come forth. And confirmants. Anybody who's in confirmation. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's um, a new beginning. Um, oh, we still have a few more coming up. Uh, I think Aubrey's going to come up here. Just get Aubrey up here. There's Aubrey coming up. All right. <laughs> All right. Good morning, Aubrey. So, um, well, you know, um, it is uh, a new year for us because some of us are, well, I think all of us are going to school or maybe preschool. And, um, you know, um, Part of going to school is uh, you are told to be prepared, right? So some of you maybe have a, a list of things that you need to go to school. And I know um, my, uh, my wife would print them off and you know, you need, uh, what do you need for school? What do you need to bring to school with you? What do you think? Pencils, right? What about an eraser? 
I always needed eraser because I made mistakes. You know, I've always needed erasers. Maybe you don't need erasers, but I know I needed erasers, right? So pencils, uh, eraser, what else do you need? Glue, yeah, yeah. What's that? Scissors, maybe you need scissors, right? Some schools supply that, some don't, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a, a list of things that you need, right? And, uh, but what else do you need when you, when you go to school? It's not something you bring with you, it's something in you. Do you need patience? Yeah? Also, going to school, it doesn't mean that you also need to prepare to do some homework, right? You also need to prepare yourself um, in organizing, right? So, going to school, you kind of have to count the cost of all the things that you need to do. You need all your things, right? You also know that you have to count the cost of paying attention, being good, prepared to do some homework, and also listen to the teacher, right? That's important too, right? Well, you know, in the gospel, Jesus was saying to his disciples, if you want to be my disciple, you need to count the cost, right? Jesus was saying, if you're going to build the building, you're going to have to count the cost to know if you really are prepared to do it. And he was saying to his disciples, if you really want to follow me, it means you sometimes have to let everything go and let me be in charge. You think that's easy? I think if I was an early disciple, I'd be like, ooh, I don't know. But in a sense, it makes sense, right? Because we need Jesus. It's Jesus who gives us our life. It's Jesus, God, who grants us everything that we have. And yet we have to also give it back and lay it in his hands so that he can do something wonderful with it. So as you go to school, I know there's a lot of things on your mind and things that you have to do. And you have Sunday school today and you have to be prepared for that. And so to help you to be prepared for that, I want to pray with you. Gracious Heavenly Father, help us to be prepared for Sunday school, especially spiritually, Lord. Help us to listen to our teachers, to those who are assisting the teachers. Help us to be kind to one another. Help us to train to be true disciples of you and Jesus. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, Heidi, where are you? Heidi and your assistants, I don't know who your assistant is today. They're going to be at the back there waiting for you, and you can go off to Sunday school. And at this time, we'll have our first reading. Who's over? Vivian, you are our reader today. Okay. Good morning. The first lesson is from the 30th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. 
and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare you this day that you certainly will be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing to the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here ends the reading. The psalm today is Psalm 1. Please read responsively from the screen. Happy are they who have not walked in the counsel of the wicked. Their delight is in the law of the Lord. They are like trees planted by streams of water, bearing fruit in due season, with leaves that do not wither. It is not so with the wicked. Therefore the wicked shall not stand upright when judgment comes. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The second lesson is from the book of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow worker, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although Christ in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is none other than Paul, an old man now, and a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him here with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you would do would not seem forced but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. 
So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has not done you any wrong, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this in my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, my brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristocris, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Here ends the reading. Well, thank you, Vivian. This time, please rise for our hymn. This morning's Gospel lesson is written in the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning with the 25th verse. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone will see it and ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, 
he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit for neither the soil nor the manure pile. It's thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our salvation. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Spirit of God, fall fresh in us today. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Hate, pick up, carry, build, fight, give up. These are all words that Jesus uses today. And you know, you know, it's really interesting. Whenever, I mean, it's in the past... Whenever, you know, when Jesus, because he says in, in various places that you have to hate. You have to hate uh, parents and, and spouse and children and, and, and your relatives. You know, I always, you know, you get somebody who will kind of come up in kind of a condescending way and say, Pastor, you're not supposed to hate. Pastor, we're not supposed to hate. My response is, you better read your Bible. You better get a different attitude about this. Because there is no way that I would, and certainly any good commentator, would try to take the teeth out of those words, hate. Nor would they try to change who you're supposed to hate. But what we have to do as God-fearing people who believe that the Word of God is the truth is that we have to say, okay, Jesus, help us to understand what you mean by this today. Because it seems to go against what you teach us in other places. That is one of the great gifts that Martin Luther... My brother in Christ has given to the church. He says, you know what? If you want to know what Jesus means in this scripture lesson, you need to look at other scripture lessons to help you to discern the deeper meaning. So we'll start with Psalm 5.5. Psalms are, you know, Psalm is prayer, right? Psalm is prayer. Psalm 5.5. The psalmist is speaking to God and saying, The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. 
Psalm 45, 7, as repeated in Hebrews 1, 9. Now that's New Testament, so we have an Old Testament and a New Testament witness. Speaking to God, the psalmist says, you love righteousness and you hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Now, the psalmist here in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus, and in Hebrews they said, look, here he is. That because God, because God hates, see, this is, this is so important, and you cannot, we cannot sort of try to gloss over this. God hates sin, God loves righteousness, God has put you among us. Meaning Jesus. If God didn't hate sin, why would he put his son, who was sinless, the hope of Jesus Christ, among us to die for our sin, to rise from the, de from the dead so that we too can have eternal life, that he becomes the gateway to eternal life? Why would God do that if God didn't hate sin? He wouldn't is the answer. He wouldn't. If God didn't hate sin, He wouldn't save us from it. So we have to remember that. And the psalmist teaches us that those who love God have an attitude about sin as well that is godly. I do not look with approval on anything that is vile. And what do we determine? How do we determine what is vile? Well, the answer should be the Bible. <laughs> it should be the law. That determines what's vile. I hate what faithless people do, and I will have no part in it. God hates sin. And so then God says, and we have to start with this. When he says, you know, you have to hate your own life. The first thing that Jesus says for us to do is to hate. It tells me, I'm going to do it in the me. And then you can do it in the you for yourself. What God calls me to do is to hate in me. That part of my personality. That quirk, that trait that thing inside me that stops me from following God. Jesus wants me to hate it. Not to make peace with it, but to hate it. Because if you hate something, you want to get rid of it. You hate something, you want to change it. When you hate something, you want to obliterate it. So the first thing that Jesus says to us today is, you know those things? You know, that's, you know that thing in you? Well, I mean, in me. I'm just, it's going to be me because you have to do it yourself. I'm not going to do it for you. So there's these things. I know the things in me. 
that stop me from following God. I know them. I know the buttons. Other people have put them there, and I've put them there too. I know what trips me up. And I have to hate it. Not make peace with it. Hate it. And so then Jesus says, okay, then you need to hate. And you know, if you think about it, the people that are the closest to you are, are possibly the ones that could, could stop you from following God in the same way that your own personality quirks do. So Jesus is saying, you look at those that are closest to you. I mean, you know, I shared this in the first service. I'm going to share it with you too because I think it's important. Because as you know, in the past, but it's still very much part of the present, in the past that we had to take a really tough stand on marriage and all that good stuff and ordination. And you know, you know that it has touched me to my very family. And so, I can, you know, there's been all kinds of people in my family, you know, who've come to me and said, can't you compromise? Can't you compromise? Can't you just, can't, just for the sake of peace, can't you compromise? These are people... I love them. They love me. Can't you compromise? Because we can all make peace. Wouldn't it be good to have peace? But I, that's not how you make peace. That's not the peace of Christ. So I have to hate them to the extent that they want me to compromise. But I have to love them by embodying the gospel to them and yet doing good and, and, and being a part of their lives and doing good and, and being who I am in Christ. That's what I'm called to do. That's it. It's to not to compromise, to hate that part of them, but to love the other part and to want to just touch that other part. That's what it means to bear your cross. Because I bear it because of my faith in Jesus Christ, in my belief that the Word of God is the truth. And what keeps me humble is I got my own burdens too. I've got my own hates too. Jesus wants you to build. You know, I'll, you think about, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, I'm reading that and I'm thinking, and Bill Logan knows this real well. When we had to do the work here on the, on the uh, fellowship hall and in the hall here, we, uh, Bill sat down with his pencil, and he had it very sharp because he's got a sharp pencil, and he figured out what it was going to cost. 
He was not going to build a tower. Well, it wasn't a tower, but he was not going to build without having some idea. But man, oh man, oh man, once we got that job going, we could saw there was problems with, the, yeah, with insulation. There was problems with the lighting, right? There was problems with other things that we had to fix, right? You couldn't see them before, could you? So, see what happens? And it's a good thing that God has blessed us. We were able to pay. We didn't have to stop. Didn't have to have the gaping hole in the narthex, right? But here's the thing. You know, we have to build. We have to do things. Jesus wants you to build, and that tower is your faith. That tower is who you are as a disciple. And you know, we do compromise a lot. Don't we compromise? I mean, I, we compromise. And a lot of times it's like, yeah, don't fight. It's better to make peace than to fight. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He wants you to fight. He wants you to fight in you what keeps you from following him. But he also says that if you're going to engage in this fight, because, you know, very often we can get motivated. You know, somebody says, you know, you do this. It's just like, you know, in the... Uh, in the uh, in, you know, when, for example, when war is going to be uh, declared and all the young guys see the soldiers in their uniforms and, you know, they're, they're marching and they're, we're, we're, along, we're, along, we're going along and they're cheering and then they join and when they're in their first battle, they want to run. Many desert because they're doing it on their own strength. And very often, when we try to change things in ourselves, we try to do it by our own strength. But Jesus is saying, don't. Don't. We want to build a tower with our own blueprints. Don't. You have to give all that up. You've got to throw it away. You've got to empty yourself and you have to let me fill you. And then, then, then you can battle that which you have to battle in yourself. Then you can battle Satan when he's trying to come after you. Then you can battle in others what keeps you, what keeps them from following Christ, the influence that they have over following you and Jesus. That's what he asks. And you know this thing about salt, long time, I wondered about that. You know, like if you think about salt, and Jesus is saying this, salt is salt. I mean, if you d dissolve it in water, it's still salt. It still flavors and, 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 and has a, a, a preservative power. Even, it's always salt. This is a statement of faith. When you are justified by Jesus Christ at baptism, when your sins are taken upon Him and He, and, and he pays for them and, 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 and God justifies you, when we have Holy Communion and when we're justified, 
because our sins are forgiven. And when we have at confession and absolution, we're justified. We are salt. It's done. It's completed by God 100%. And that we have within us the gifts from God, the fruit of the Spirit that permit us then to engage in life, engage in the struggle against ourselves, engage in the struggle in the world, to build. Now, what is building that tower? What is the blueprint that Jesus gives us? But the blueprint that he gives us is the gospel. In the gospel, he said, if you want to build this tower, here's this tower. Is somebody hungry? Feed them. Somebody naked, clothe them. Is somebody thirsty, give them water. Is somebody in prison, visit them. You know, Paul was in prison with this whole thing with Philemon. I'll kind of touch on that. But we have to remember, do you, you know, is Jesus Christ in prison? Yes, Jesus Christ is in prison because Christians go to prison. Christians do, Christians sin. And we have to go into the prison to visit Jesus as he's in those that are, and, and encourage them, and encourage them to hate what made, brought them to jail and to let Jesus heal that so that they never end up in there again. And we have to hate in us the fear that stops us from going in and proclaiming the gospel to them. People are sick Go visit them, Jesus says. Is that easy? No. When we were um, on Whidbey Island in, in Washington, you know, we've been praying for Dean Rigsby. His name is in the bulletin. He's my uh, Denny's stepbrother. He's my stepbrother. And uh, so, uh, you know, we, I went to visit. He's struggling, but he's really, he's struggling, and he wants to live. And I want to encourage him in that to live. He's got an autistic grandchild that he and his wife have custody of, and he has to make sure he gets out to school every day. He's got his trials. He's got his tribulations. He has to have procedures. I just say, God bless him, and God give him the courage to be able to do that. And then, you know, what was really interesting. He said to me, uh, Ed... He said, I said, you're perky today. And he said, I'm perky because you're here. And so he said, you know, Ed, this way I see it. I think I've done enough good on this earth to, when I go to end up on the great fairway in heaven. And he's a golfer. Okay, I, I don't get that. But, you know, why anybody would want to do that for an eternity, I have no idea. <laughs> You know, you'd end up getting a hole-in-one all the time, and what's the point? <laughs> but anyways, I digress. But I said to him, Dean, I disagree with you. He says, what do you mean? I said, it's not about what you have done, but who you believe in If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior who saved you from sin and is opening the gate to eternal life from you, that's all you need to get to the big fairway. It's not about what you do. And he just said, I like that concept. <laughs> but that is being 
the gospel. That is, you know, in some way you sit there as a sick guy. What am I going to say to him? I got a hate inside of him, that belief that he has, that he has to work for his salvation. I have to hate it. And even though he's sick, I have to say to him, it's about believing, my friend. It's about believing in Jesus. That's what he calls us to do. You're salt. You're salt, people. You've got everything in you that you need to do that. Everything. You know, Philemon is actually a really great study. It's the shortest book. <laughs> it's really short. You could, it's all there on the bulletin. That's the whole book. That's the whole letter to Philemon. But it may be small, but it's very mighty because it, it helps us to, again, see what it means to follow Jesus Christ and the cost of discipleship. You know, back in the day, back in that time, Philemon owned Onesimus. He owned him. If he ran away, he could kill him. He could beat him till he died, and he wouldn't be guilty of murder. Because why? Because Onesimus was a piece of property. Do you think he'd be mad if he ran away? Well, of course he'd be mad if he ran away. That was a rhetorical question. Of course he was mad. And it was frowned upon in that society. If you, Paul and him were in jail. Paul was in jail for preaching Christ. He was in jail from running away, for running away. He was useless. He ran. Philemon was a good guy. He was a rich guy. Had a huge house. He let the church you know, have services in his house. He probably helped people out. And so, you know, Paul is appealing to him. And you know what I love? This is important. I want you to hear this, that Paul, or read this. Take it home and read it. Paul said, because of the position that Paul had over Philemon as the apostle, he said, I could order you to let Onesimus go. Think about that. This is the truth that Paul the apostle could have ordered him to give up on Nisimus. But what did Jesus say? Don't lord your authority over others. So Paul said, even though I could do that, I want you to do this out of love. You know what? The first thing I want you to do is I know that you look at Philemon, uh, excuse me, you, Philemon, look at Onesimus as an asset, and it, he was a useless asset. And now he's valuable because he's a Christian, and he's going to do whatever you tell him to do. But I don't want you to see him that way. I don't want you to see him. I want you to let go of him, let go of him as property. And I want you to think about him as a brother in Jesus Christ. Same father. Same brother. Same spirit. I don't want you to look at him as something that you possess. 
but like you, both possessed by God. I want you not to be mad at him anymore for running away. I want you to forgive him for running away. I want you to love me. And I want you to let him come back and help me in my ministry. I want you to change your whole perspective on our situation and I want you to let go of all of your rights and I want you to be possessed by Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit and to respond out of your saltiness I want you to be salt because you have it in you to do this So what do you think? Did he do it? Of course he did. The letter would have not, if he didn't do it, they would have thrown it away. This was a personal letter from Paul to Philemon. And he did it, and they kept it. And whenever they were feeling like they couldn't let go, whenever they were feeling like that they, they no longer had the right perspective, they would read it. And they would remember that this really rich man that, he just, that, that could have killed this slave, that could have done anything, that he looked at him and he let go of him and saw him through the eyes of Christ. And that's why we should be reading these letters. That's why we should be looking at it and saying, you know what, I just, I hold on to life, I hold on to things and I don't want to let go because I'm afraid. And then the letter said, you just hate that in yourself and want God to take it away. That's what this is about. You know, here's the thing that, you know, Jesus is saying, if you follow my blueprint of loving and forgiving and, 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 and working together and, and being, being my body and being my hands, my, that's building a great tower you overcome you will win and we all know we're going to win that God wins in the end but Jesus wants to win in your life today today and tomorrow and next day You're salt. You're salt. You can do it. Not because of you, but because of who you belong to. You're salt. You can do it. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Please rise for our hymn of the day.
At this time you may be seated and we will continue to offer ourselves and our gifts to the Lord. Please rise.
Let us pray for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. A response to the prayer will be hear our prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we know that there is a cost to discipleship, and even though we may count the costs, Lord, in the end we know we have to just leave everything of ourselves into your hands. And it's from those hands, Lord, that you can strengthen us, that you can guide us, that you, in a sense, will grant us the faith and the courage to do what is right and helping with you in building the kingdom of God. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we also uh, pray um, for our broken world, a world where... um, Houses and, and people are broken. We especially think of the people in the Bahamas right now, Lord, and those who have been affected by this, this hurricane as it now comes to the east coast of Canada. Um, Lord, continue uh, to protect, but also continue to instill in our hearts to give aid to those who are in need. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we, uh, we just pray. Um, for our students and our teachers. Um, We pray for those in in grade school or into university or college, Lord, uh, as they embark in a new semester, Lord. Um, Guide them and protect them, Lord. And also, Lord, strengthen them in the virtues that they need to learn. And part of that is being part of the Sunday school and confirmation programs. Lord, um, we ask that you continue to help us uh, be the hands and feet and the voice of you in the world that needs hope. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we also um, pray for our broken world, the migration of people who have no home uh, in the mouths of the hungry who cry for food, Uh, We pray for the people who are suffering because of the injustices of the world. Lord, we ask for your mercy. We ask in a way that we continue to be ambassadors to do what is right. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we also just pray for those who mourn. Uh, We especially pray for the Doyle and Hageness family, the Campbell and Pfeiffer family, the Tarsh and Hanson families. Lord, we all have someone that we grieve for, whether it is something we've been grieving for a short while or for a long time. Lord, eventually, please bring peace and joy to the hearts of those who grieve today. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we also just pray for those who are um, recovering um, at home, those who need your healing touch, Lord, just uh, grant them a spiritual, physical, and mental healing. Lord, we we know that in the midst of all things, at at times we must realize that all we can do is to pray to you. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And let us pray the prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Well, if you are visiting here today, just thank you for making Grace your home today. Um, we just want to invite you to our fellowship and coffee hour uh, here after the service in the fellowship hall. Don't worry, you can't miss it. There's a big sign saying fellowship hall there. Um, and um, we um, just want to continue to encourage you to, you know, be part of the programming here at Grace uh, through the week. Uh, we just don't meet on Sundays, just to let you know that. Um, and... Uh, um, I just want to let you know that uh, we have Janice and Linda here who will be up in the front here who will um, be here for prayer for you uh, if you need to be after the service. And uh, so um, looking forward uh, to the fall events here at Grace and um, we're looking forward to meeting you at the coffee hour. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This time we will continue with our closing hymn.
serve the Lord.